So I think we'll get started. Um, what a great turnout today. Thank you everyone for joining us today on Ghana Country, AXA Ghana Yatanga Yuandi, AXA stands on Ghana Country. My name is Flora Strzlecki and I'm the Associate Curator of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Art here at the Art Gallery. I'd like to pay my respect to Elders past, present and those emerging and also just acknowledge the enduring uh, connections that the Ghana people have with this country here, with the land and the waterways. We have a special guest today, Sonia Rankin. Um, who is the artist um, who has created these beautiful uh, vessels, which are part of the Keepers of Culture display, which um, has been curated by myself as part of um, this year's Tarnandi. And it is pretty much the first collection display we've curated to tie in with Tarnandi. It is a collection display that not only showcases works that were some of the first acquisitions in the gallery's collection, such as the bark paintings there on that northern wall, right through to some of our newer acquisitions, which you may have um, seen and remember fondly from previous Tarnandis, such as these really lovely um, black baskets by um, Helen and Margaret Raru which were featured in the Open Hands Tarnandi last year. So before I pass on to Sonia, perhaps, I'll just give you a bit of an um, introduction to this display to sort of contextualise um, the curatorial rationale around this display. So Keepers of Culture does look at works of art that can be seen as all embodying uh, culture. So not necessarily just a basket or a vessel, but looking at bark paintings and sculptures and necklaces even, all that can be seen as encompassing culture, carrying culture and sharing culture for um, successive generations. So while this display explores not only um, the diverse regions where artists are working from, all the way down south, like in Tasmania, with the examples of the Lola Green O'Shell necklace, right through to the north in the Tiwi Islands, where we have those beautiful Chunga um, right on that western wall. So you can see the diversity of making across Australia. with these beautiful um, and found materials in the case of Lorraine Conway Morley, narbongs. So narbong being a marsupial pouch or the word from the marsupial pouch in the Wiradjuri. She's used refuse or litter found on country to explore and talk about the impacts of colonisation, invasion on country not only for Aboriginal people and culture, but also the impacts on country. So you see this diversity in materiality as well throughout the display. And perhaps we can pat welcome Sonia now, because I think your works are a great example of the diversity of materials, but also bringing together different types of weaves, which um, we will go into a little bit later. But welcome Sonia. Sonia Rankin is a Naranjuri, Naranga and Nadjuri artist um, who works with Lakamara, which I pronounced it correctly, great, <laughs> which means um, making, weaving hands, thank you. And um, 
Sonia, perhaps, would you like to introduce yourself and how you came into these beautiful uh, vessels and weaving and your practice? Right, thank you, Gloria. Um, and thank you for your beautiful acknowledgement. To so, to you, of course, like my acknowledgement of Being here at the art and dispossession to Ghana people. Very important place for Tanandi for us to be able to reclaim our space. We're in the art gallery of South Australia, and I think the Keepers of Culture does that beautifully, especially having it here in Gallery. And I love seeing the progression. Aboriginal art being throughout our other ones, I suppose, as um, we like to say, decolonise the art space um, and have First Nation artists, something that's here on a regular, um, something that you can see regularly and a part of what we are quite often dominated by, colonial narrative in galleries. So it's really beautiful to see that movement. Um, so, yes, I'm Sonia Rankin. I am uh, Naranjeri, which is connected through my mother's um, family line, which is of the Kurong and the Lower River Murray. Um, I am Nudgeri through my grandmother's line, which is the mid-north of South Australia, which takes in the Barossa Valley, the Clare Valley, and right up to um, Orrowee, that whole strip of the mid-north. I'm also Narunga, and I live, at, um, live on Narunga country at Moonta Bay. That's my base. And I'm Narunga through my um, mother's father, and also my father was um, Narunga. And also had connections with Wurrungul. My father's grandmother was a Wurrungul woman. So myself as an Aboriginal person, I'm connected to four, four nations here um, within South Australia. So, um, yeah, Lakanmara means weaving hand in the Naranjeri language, and I suppose that's what I've tried to like to do. I suppose when I started doing weaving, my first interaction with it was about 25 odd years ago and I sat down with Ani, um, Master Naranjeri Weaver, um, Ani Ellen Trevorrow and learnt the skill of being Naranjeri. And for me that was really important for somebody who was taken from her family and placed in a children's home and they're on into a foster family. For me being able to weave is also about that connection to to, to my culture and who I am and my identity and being able to learn those traditional practices that I was, um, you know, unable to have that connection to through my childhood. It's also about passing it on to my, my children as, as well, the practice of weaving and that connection to language, which is why I felt it was important to incorporate language within my um, pieces when I started making baskets and they go, oh, what's the name? And I'm like, hmm, that's right. You've got to name your artwork, don't you, you know? Um, hence, I must be an artist. I've got to name them, you know, not just create them. And so I thought it was really important from the beginning to to use language. I've been really involved with Narunga language with the reclaiming and the, the maintenance of language on Narunga country. Um, and I also do the you know, connection to Naranjeri um, language as well through, you know, having the dictionaries and um, able to meet with um, my auntie, especially Annie Phyllis Williams, who's a, one of the leaders in that, um, you know, 
bringing Naranjari life back to back to life, basically, as it was something that we weren't allowed to speak. We were punished from speaking our language. So my weaving along with the language is a real hole for me, not only for my own cultural connection, but it's also the importance of cultural revival and now the the cultural maintenance for myself and for, you know, my children and grandchildren and, and for lots of others. Naranjari and Nadjari are also weaving being Indigenous material. So we've got a few different baskets here and um, I said that these the connection to the Nuttingerry weaving. Um, it's also the Nudgery weaving stitch, but I've used Nuttingerry names for these particular pieces. So um, this particular one here, which was number seven, so it's Bilbili Kanali, which means um, the reeds, the name of the reeds, but it's also then the name of the um, emu feathers. Um, and... I chose to just do it as a straight basket, a um, bit of a curving in just to add a little bit of different shape and dimension to it. Um, it's sort of, I suppose, it's sort of a um, basket that's similar to it. This one is also using um, the traditional reeds, the flat sedge reeds. Sorry, not very good with scientific names. Can I feel it me down there? That's a spiny flat sedge, the Cyperus genome. Yeah, that, one. That, yeah, that one. That one there. Just come and have a closer <laughs> look. We need Lisa Slade, who's very good at those um, botanical names. So, as you can see, these two baskets incorporate a beach hagstone. And the beach hagstones are actually found in these particular ones, only in one little spot at Stansbury, which happens to be a really good basketry friend of mine um, through Basketry SA, June Faulkner. So, I fell in love with the beach hagstones, so, and I love weaving around them. So... These, um, and so this one is of the, um, using the traditional reeds. And what I've, I wove with the reeds here, here I've incorporated a waxed polyester thread. Um, don't have um, as much access to the linen thread, but it's just really beautiful material to use. Um, and, and especially when it's holding onto the fibres. Um, this particular one up here, using the same Naranjeri stitch, and just incorporating the feathers in this series and a beach hagstone. But this one's made from ponytail palm. And it's just a really beautiful material. Um, and this one here, and that was just with a dark brown polyester thread. And this one's here made with philodendron. So I just fell in love with, um, it was actually a little, a little YP basket case of gathering. We get together a couple of times a year. And, learn different, and that's sort of where I started to learn other different weaving techniques as well. Um, and I said, oh, why don't you try some philodendron? I just fell in love with it, that how a beautiful, bright, vibrant green leaf can become this beautiful rustic colour. And again, with the, with the stones. And I um, just love using the, the emu feathers um, as well. They're just a really beautiful um, addition to it. Um, so then I've got these other ones up here. And I was like, oh, hold on. So the number... So then I'm just looking at the names for number six. So I named this one, um, what's the name there? Larala. Yeah, Larala Konali Pampandawi. So Larala means round and Konali means emu feather. And Pampandawi is just a general name for a basket. In Naranjari language, they have 
lots of different names for different types of baskets. So it gets really quite specific. Pempendale is just the more the, the, gener the general name. Um, and then this particular one was Marty Canale Pampandawi, a Marty referring to the stone in the centre. And then number five is, yeah, Billy Billy, Bill Billy Marty Canale. So referring to, I've used the natural reeds, but then with a, with a stone in the, in the middle of it and then incorporating of the feathers. So because I use the Naranjari stitch with these ones, I wanted to actually um, have an, a Naranjari name and because that's sort of where um, my weaving first came from was that connection to Naranjari but like I said it's the same weaving technique and material for Nudgeri country. So these three little beautiful pieces up here was um, being exposed to random weave and also exposed to the beautiful material of a palm inflorescence, a palm seed branch um, and I just sort of fell in love with working, doing something random. Of course, there's a structured process to everything, but then the randomness of it, never really knowing where it's going to end up, what it's going to look like. Um, and so um, some of these are actually, I think I collected some of these ones. I was going to, um, my cousins were staying at a holiday shack, so involved with the Wild Dog Project, and these, this beautiful garden, it was a beautiful garden, and I sort of wandered down going, oh, palm trees. I found the garden waste at the at the back corner, so I was sat, sitting there, cutting all of the uh, palm the palm seed branches off of it. And they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" Um, so yeah, um, I kind of love garden waste. Um, love it when you know the this the ponytail palm that came from a friend down the road who was sort of cleaning out her garden and brought me two beautiful bunches of ponytail palm. Um, and then there's this one here's um, got long, um, long pine needles incorporated on it, which I've also sourced from being on Narunga country. There's just as you're driving out of Maitland to on the Middleton Road, um, just sort of at that fork of it, there's all these pine trees, but there's only about three that are actually the long pine needles. So I go and scavenge that off of the bottom of the, underneath of the tree. So then it's already dry, then you don't have to let it dry out and shrink. And I've finished these ones off with jacaranda stalks. I've touched that one with a polyester thread. This one here is a jacaranda stalk because I just love working with jacaranda stalks. And uh, the lady here, I made her some baskets for her son, so the jacaranda stalks. And it's just a beautiful material to work with because of smell, because you get the smell of the flowers when you're working with it as well. Um, and then this one just ended up, I just wanted to make it a little bit bigger. So the first one up here is called Gari Wabaguru, which is uh, Gari is the name for emu. And Gari Waba means emu feather. And Guru means like a round container. So because I wanted to try and create something round. Sometimes they can come out to the shape you want. Sometimes they don't and they have a mind of their own. Um, like this little one up here, which I called uh, Gare Guma, emu number one. Um, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, number one, number two, but Guma means one in Naranga. And then this last little one, which is a little bit bigger, uh, was Gare Waba Darawa. So Gare Waba being um, emu feather and Darawa, because it was a large.
ended up being a little bit larger. So I've just ended up loving using language and bringing that language to life. Sometimes it gets a little bit challenging um, and I think I'm going to have to start being a little bit um, creative with names as I keep kind of um, making more baskets and, yeah, wanting to sort of, um, um, yeah, be a little bit more innovative with the, the, the names of it. But there's so much more to explore through the language just as there is with, um, with the weaving practice as well. Thank you, Sonia. Um, so you can see how diverse um, Sonia's materials are, but also bringing together the different, you know, the Nanandri uh, weave, but also your Naranga with the Jacaranda stalks and um, working through that kind of revival and connection again to your culture. I guess um, for me, the, I was really interested in all your weaving workshops and the continuation of sharing that knowledge and how important that is for you. Um, as you mentioned that you were taken away and were in a children's home and how important that is for you now, sharing that for subsequent generations, mm. um, using language but also sharing the weaving through those workshops. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, um, I suppose like my mum, you know, always did a little bit of weaving because I was fortunate to be able to connect with my mother. Um, my foster mum was an amazing woman who always encouraged that and that connection. Um, and so my mum was also like, you know, I did made a little bit of pieces with raffia and weaving. And then I think um, when I was reading Ani, uh, Doreen Katinuri's, Dr. Doreen Katinuri's book, um, Anurandjuri, Calling home, I think it's called, and there was my great grandmother's name in there because we were closely connected to the Katinuri line. My great grandmother was Martha Katinuri before she married uh, Ridgeway Rankin, and in there was her story of a weaver and a feather flower maker, and also a um, a, a traditional midwife as well. So um, yeah, feather flowers is and something I haven't really had a had a go at learning either. But I think it's just knowing, you know, like for thousands of years, you know, weaving has been a part of Naranjari culture. It's that it's always about purpose. I suppose you know these can be used for purpose. They look like decorative, but it, you know, it'd be nice for them to be used for purpose as well. Um, as that they they wove they wove with purpose. Um, and I think what I love about it is the ingenuity that's gone into knowing what plants to to use as well because even with all of these different materials within basketry and weaving, you need to know the process. So, you know, when you collect any of these, you have to let them dry because you've got to allow the natural oils to dry out of the plants. Then you have to rehydrate them. But you can't over-rehydrate them. So I've learnt that the hard way. Um, you know, if you soak even the traditional reeds too long, because I'll just do it in hot water in the bath, my bath does not look like something you'd want to have a bath in anymore. Um, palm inflorescence really stains your, your bath. Um, but if you soak things too long, they absorb too much water and then when they dry, they shrink. So it is sort of like also like really sort of fine art to knowing how long to soak your materials. And I just love that innovativeness of, of First Nation people knowing that this was the right material to use, then learning how to use it, the science, the design, the technology, the, the variety of everything. And, and it was not just, it wasn't just women, it was men's and women's business to weave. 
but through the process of colonialism, that narrative tried to get changed on us. And sometimes we think of weavers being um, what women do, especially for nut and jerry, but it was for men. If they wanted a weapon bag, we weren't making it for you. You know, if you wanted a mat to sit on, if you wanted a, you know, a fish scoop or an eel trap or a fish trap or the list, list goes on of everything that was ever used, it was something that men and women did. So I think it's also about us reclaiming our own narrative. Um, men were allowed to make them traditionally on the mission, but they weren't allowed to sell them. Only the women were allowed to go down to the boats and sell their wares. So I think we started to think it was something that only women did. But, you know, I've got the wonderful artist and cousin of mine, Cedric Barco, who is reclaiming that this is something that, you know, men participated in. Um, and it's the stories that I want to pass on to my daughters and, you know, of course, my son. Um, my daughters are really heavily involved with Luck and Mara and as weavers as well in helping out with the workshops. And you always see them here. I drag, drag them along to help out with the workshops and, you know, eventually, like, you know, teach my granddaughter and grandson as well that weaving. But also, like, I'm always, like, sharing language with them when, you know, a six-year-old wants to be interested and, you know. <laughs> I think what you were saying about the sort of um, use of the materials but also knowing when to collect the sedge and that process as well and then you also collecting same way I guess Lorraine's collecting refuse off country you're collecting the refuse from someone's front garden when you yeah. can't get the sedge because yeah. you're on different country at the time so it's yeah. also that kind of process as well and knowledge that mm. is passed down that way yeah and you, you know knowing like you know Dianella I've made some really beautiful baskets of Dianella which you find on a lot of you know council properties love them and they're all along the York Peninsula so I'll just pull up on the side of the road and I'll gather it from the side of the road and people cruising by at 100 kilometres oh my god is that woman drawing you know or um, it's called snotty gobble or dotter laurel a sort of parasite plant that hangs off of the trees there's a lot of it on the York Peninsula and I'm just like ripping it off and rolling it into bundles and you know and putting it in my car and stuff um, and I suppose it's that sort of being able to still maintain that kind of way of gathering. Um, Narunga weren't um, like wouldn't weren't basket makers, but they were. They did make fishing nets and bird nets and fishing lines and so forth. So I've been able to source um, a traditional plant that um, is it's called referred to as bundle, bundle, bundle. And so I've got that all sitting there waiting, waiting to make something really special with. Um, so I've sort of learnt the, the the tradition of making string with it um, takes, you know, a bit of time. But um, it's always just nice to find different materials. And, what I, yeah, I think it's nice just to – my only real expense is if I want to use polyester threads or get some really nice hemp natural thread that's been, you know, made um, in Nepal or something like that. So put another sort of other community that's, um, you know, making something by hand. Um, so I like to source my threads, but I suppose as the, the older ladies at the, the, the National Basketry Gathering said, you just you, you use it sparingly, you know. You just don't use it all the time, you know. Save it for your special pieces and things. But, um, yeah. I love also that you brought up this sort of gender um, divide that's been created mm. with um, colonisation. And that's something that I'm always really aware of and how... Um, ethnographers, usually men, 
have told the story of bart painting being a men's story you know and now we've got the women bart painters coming out the same way and i thought it was interesting because we've got lena yarankura's work here in nalbembe and she works really closely with her partner who a husband who is now passed um and i won't name him but you know you see that practice being shared by men and women and i think yeah. that's really important for that story to be told so thank you yeah. for doing that and that your grandkids are also interested in doing that yeah and i think it's good like when i do i do a lot of school workshops as well or um and just letting you know you know you're letting young aboriginal boys and young men know that this is something that they can do themselves um and just giving the educational aspect of it to the broader sort of um, you know group of kids and you know and their educators, um, but you know more so that um, our Aboriginal students can connect with is really important. That's what I get out of you know all this um, sort of rewarding that I get here. So Sonia also uses language um, in her musical career, <laughs> which I was fascinated to learn as well that you're a singer and you're involved in the Wild Dog Project, yeah. um, which um, is I think um, with some delays now in mid-year next year. I think so, yeah. Do you want to, June? Thank you, Sam. June, Do you want to talk about <laughs> that project basic um, also because that's the next sort of project for you and then maybe we'll open up to the floor or? Yeah, yeah. yeah so Wild Dog Project is a focus on an Arunga dreaming story and it's again another story of cultural revival um, and then that cultural maintenance of, of, of stories on country. Um, and Narunga people were deeply affected through the set settlement of, of Narunga country and a great loss of to language and, and to dance. So it's about reviving, creating dances for it. But for me, I always wanted to write songs in language, so writing um, songs um, that are reflecting the, not specifically the, the wild dog story, word for word, but other influences like writing one about um, the uh, Gadi, uh, the emu looking in the waterhole, um, and it involves the Gadli as well. And then there's another song that I'm writing about Nandul the kangaroo, um, another one that's Widada, which is the shark dreaming story, and the other one, Gayambara, the butterfish, um, and they'll be doing another song um, around uh, Dukaja, the curlews would cry, which is part of the wind of the owl when the um, Nandu, the kangaroo, orders the Gudleys, the wild dog, to kill the baby curlews, the little dukages. So going to be writing. That's going to be more contemporary, very contemporary, and the other ones have been trying to do it in a traditional sense, which has been a whole challenge but a really rewarding and a bit of a bucket list to write in language. And then, you know, when you sing, you it, it impresses more on you the language so that's been a really interesting journey and I've been down part of the Tunga Marine and Land Debris project with the Ghost Nets Australia project at Port Adelaide Antral Council so that's been really awesome too. No rest for you and of course Sonia does weaving workshops here at the Art Gallery of South Australia part of First Fridays I think they're pretty much booked but you know just loiter if um, there might be some cancellations we were saying yeah. um, and of course the Neo coming up as well um, should we open up to the floor? Yeah. Maybe two questions, if anyone's got some questions anyone, from Sonia. Anyone has? Anything? No? no. Oh, okay, well, yeah, yes. Yes. 
Yeah, so Should I it's just a, it's a say bit... the question out loud for the recording? Oh, so yep. just asking him to talk a little bit more about the stone. So these are hag stones. Hag stones have got different names, but um, so this one's a beach hag stone. So the hole is formed by the water flowing over it. It can happen in fresh rivers as well, um, and then also around. Um, I don't know why they're just around the Stansbury. It's a very, very rocky beach, um, and so on that side, on the western side, no, the eastern side, the eastern side, <laughs> the eastern side of the peninsula is not really the most sandiest kind of beach. It's very rocky. It's more crabbing beaches. So whether because there's just so many rocks along there, they're tumbling over each other and the, the whole water's going through them. And they just seem to be at this particular spot around Stansbury. I did find some down at Corny Point, but they're a bit more limestone in, so they kind of break a little bit. But um, I don't know why they're there, but I just think they're really beautiful. Um, and I've um, incorporated them in a lot of my weaving. Any more questions? One more, perhaps? Yes. Yes, I bought, I bought this, my necklace. I bought it up in Darwin, actually. So these are the ninty beads, which are all around um, in the um, territory. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a really favourite one. It's actually a funny story. I didn't have a necklace on, and then my granddaughter, I dropped her off at school this morning, and she sort of cocked up that she'd stashed it in her bag a few months ago. And I was like, ah, oh, I've been looking for it everywhere. But <laughs> so you are wearing earrings that you so, have created. Then, yeah, then yeah, the earrings. I also make jewellery, so the earrings that I'm wearing as well. Um, and you Sam's got her earrings on at the back there. So I also do um, earrings. Yeah, a lot of it's just all through social media, um, through Instagram and um, Facebook. People put orders in for their commission pieces and, and jewellery. And, um, yeah, and we're in the process of um, getting a website up and running as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sonia, for joining us. It's a real delight. I'm sure everyone's really enjoyed hearing the artist speak about a work for a change during these lunchtime talks. Um, you know, you are a true keeper of culture, um, as are your vessels, these beautiful baskets, keeping culture alive. And, um, you know, I hope that you're able to keep sharing and learning and teaching us about um, different wave spells of culture. So thank you. Um, please give Sonia a hand. Thank you.